the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Lindsay Barnett. Welcome back to the London Free Press Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Barnett. We, again, so appreciate your time being here. It was another heavy week, for lack of a better term, with regards to everything happening, not only in Ontario, but we're seeing a great divide across the country and in different provinces. Um, and we're going to focus a little bit on some of the protests and the occupation in Ottawa today. It's a uh, it's new today, kind of. I'm joined by a digital editor with the London Free Press, Pat Maloney. Pat, how are you today? Hey, Lindsay, how are you? Thanks for having me on. This is, this is different for us. This is the first time I've had you on the podcast. So I'm excited to catch up and chat with you because I think you are the only person with the London Free Press who has kind of had a bird's eye view of covering what happened on the 402 as well as in Windsor with the Ambassador Bridge. So I think we need to start close to home and the disruption on the 402. I was talking to somebody who doesn't regularly follow the news and they said, they didn't really understand what was going on with regards to the blockade. It was like 20 farm vehicles, seemed like a handful of people, but it was enough that it caused some serious disruption. So what were the ins and outs of what happened on the 402 from February 9th to Feb 14th? Right. So, and I think that that's the big takeaway for me is that it was at the peak, 20 tractors, 20 farm vehicles, and then it kind of ebbed and flowed and there was 18 near the end and then it was done but that's all it took and they blocked off one entire lane of um 402 and then this would be a stretch sort of between london and sarnia in a very rural area and then the opp cut down the whole whole westbound lanes in that area so are there a lot of people traveling in their day-to-day lives on that highway like i mean the 402 is a 400 series highway it's not the 401 but it's going to the sarnia border lots of those and they were all diverted out into those those rural communities that are pretty quiet places and like they kind of like it that way right like i remember there was one community out that way they got a tim hortons a couple years ago and and residents were like well what's this going to do to you know like like our quiet little town you know they don't like they like quiet right and i and i grew up in rural ontario i respect that and appreciate that this totally upended their lives but also was enough to shut down a critical piece of infrastructure for six days and really it petered out. I don't think these were hardcore protesters. Uh, I, I will say what I've said and what I've thought is that there are a lot of people that are anti-vaccine and anti-mandate at these protests. But I think at the core, there's also just anti-government protesters. There's people who are, there are conspiracy theories. And I'm not sure that that's really the case with the 402, but I wonder if there's an overlap between some of what you're seeing in Ottawa. And I feel that the, the Emergencies Act was enacted federally. Eventually, there was tough rules put in place by Doug Ford. And all of a sudden, the these 402 protesters just essentially voluntarily left. They just left. And I think that that spoke to the fact that they're not, it was not a hardcore protest, but it was enough to cause a serious disruption. And I think we need to consider what that means. Absolutely. And you just touched on so many points. And I think this is where things have become very muddy. And I spoke to Jane Sims about this with regards to the occupation in Ottawa and the protests on the 402 and in Windsor that we're seeing. There's a lot of unclear messaging. Some people are saying I'm here for everyone's freedom as a Canadian. Some people are saying we're done with the mandates. Kids shouldn't be wearing masks. Some people are anti-vax. And as you said, some people are just now at the point of trying to overthrow the government. We just had a federal election 
not too long ago. And whether people like it or not, democracy is in place in Canada and majority of Canadians who voted had their voices heard. That's how things happen. But things got, like you said, it kind of petered out with regards to the 402, but things kind of got, I don't want to use the word rough, but rough in Windsor with regards to clearing out those protesters. Um, I think it was like $390 million a day that Canada was losing in trade, having the bridge blocked off. That is an astronomical number. And I think a lot of people are sitting back watching all of this unfold. Like, what is the problem? What is taking so long to clear these protesters out? So let's talk a little bit about the process of getting things cleared out in Windsor. I actually thought the Windsor police and London, a lot of London police officers were there too. RCMP was there. I thought they did a fairly efficient job and it really wasn't violent. I mean, if you've ever seen an arrest and I unfortunately had the occasion to see them through my work, it's a very strange thing to watch. I mean, it is a, it is a physical act. You're physically arresting somebody, right? So it doesn't look great. So you see pictures like the Windsor star had great coverage and great photography of like, you know, police officers on top of an, an obstinate, um, protester and arresting him looked kind of violent, I guess, but there was no, as far as I can tell, there was no violence. It was actually really efficient. They really only started. I mean, there was an inch court injunction as a 7 PM Friday night. This is almost a week into the ambassador bridge lockdown Saturday morning. Police started clearing them out by Sunday afternoon. They were all gone. So it was a pretty efficient process. And fortunately there was no violence uh, directed at the police or directed at, at uh, any of civilians that were in that area. So, I actually was really impressed with how quickly that cleared out. And it was almost like, why didn't you do this sooner? And I wonder if part of the impetus for that Ambassador Bridge being cleared out with a little more efficiency and a little more intensity as opposed to Ottawa is you had the Americans in Michigan and and I'm assuming in the White House saying that the Canadian officials, what is going on up there? So you had an extra layer of pressure. I think Canadians generally too, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but they would say, we, we, we tolerate it. We're tolerating what's going on in Ottawa. Americans would not tolerate that. They would not, they would not abide that kind of conduct in their cities for what, what are we at? Almost three weeks now in Ottawa. So anyway, um, Ambassador Bridge is cleared. And I think that's obviously a positive thing. And, you know, reasonable people can agree that protesting is good, right? But blocking critical public infrastructure is not good. And it's especially not good when it's unclear what you're actually doing there. Because there is a divide in Canada, but it's not a divide down the middle. I mean, 90% of us are vaccinated. There's no question about that, right? There's no doubt about it. And, the, and to your point about the federal election, too, we just had it and Trudeau got reelected. Yeah, I think it's, I don't want to use the word funny because what's happening is is not funny. But my grandmother always says, if we can't laugh, we're going to cry. Uh, there were 46 <laughs> arrests made at the Ambassador Bridge, 90 charges laid by police. And something that we didn't touch on with regards to the 402, and I'm curious to see what happens too with what happened in Windsor, is what's the dollar amount going to be associated with yes. this with regards to the police and taxpayers who are obviously going to have to foot the bill for this. This is going to take. So, so, so that's, yeah, that's a big question. And I did a story yesterday on Warwick township, which is the local municipality right at that portion of the 402 that was closed. And it's their understanding that they're going to, they and other communities near them, that's the property taxes, the homeowners and the business and the property owners, they're going to have to pay to cover the extra cost of the OPP work. It is not defrayed across the province. Now there's some, very unhappy politicians in those communities who I think want the people who organized the 402 protests to pay that freight. Now, whether or not there's a mechanism for that, that's not clear to me at this point, 
But Warwick Township, for example, will probably be paying about 5% of whatever that bill is for all the extra policing that it took to make sure that 402 blockade didn't turn into whatever havoc that it could have turned into. And there's also, you know, an, a kind of a political element to it, which is very interesting. The mayor of Warwick Township is an avowed Freedom Convoy supporter. She's an elected politician who was in Ottawa supporting that convoy. And I spoke to her Sunday night and I said, well, what do you think about the illegal blockade in your community at the 402? And she said, I don't have an opinion on it, which was a surprising answer, I'll say. So, and she's got a lot of members of her council who are really unhappy about it. And I can't help but think a lot of citizens too uh, in that community. And she was elected by 75 votes or something in 2016. So I'm, I'm Various to see what happens politically there, but yes, the financial question, these are expensive events, right? The policing costs are massive and you and I, in the end, we pay for it. Absolutely. And like you said, this isn't a clear divide. And I think for a lot of people, you made such a good point of saying that Canadians are just kind of passively watching what's happening in Ottawa. And even myself, I'm guilty. Like I'm working from home right now. I don't have to go on the 402 every day. So it didn't really affect me. I saw the headlines. I read the articles and I thought, man, that's a pain and an inconvenience. But again, I do believe that people have the right to protest. But where is that line? Now, at the time of recording this right now, OPP were out in Ottawa. Ottawa police were out this morning handing out notifications to occupiers saying, this is it. This is your final warning. Uh, You can be charged with criminal offenses if you don't start dispersing. We've seen a lot of things online about bank accounts being frozen. This is the first time I've seen this in my adult life. And watching this unfold, and I have no participation in anything happening. I'm just watching it. I'm shaking my head thinking, my God, this is terrifying. Yeah, it is. And, and I think that, I mean, there is the potential for violence, I think, in Ottawa, which is not something we have to, you know, that old thing, all news is local. If it's in your backyard, it's really, really important. If it's not, it's not as important. The further away it is from you, the less relevant it is to you. But it's the Ottawa thing is very compelling, I think, and it's very concerning. And I, I see the potential for violence there. But I also think there's a lot of criticism and like, people are reading the Ottawa Citizen, their coverage has been really good. And there's a lot of criticism of how the police have handled this and the police have now been, the police chief has now resigned. You know, like, I wonder if it's like a, here's your hat, what's your hurry kind of thing, but he's gone. And um, I think there's also things you've seen where some police appear to be, it's confusing. Some police appear to be fraternizing with protesters, okay? Some police appear to be supportive of them, but you're then hearing police say, that's all part of our intelligence gathering efforts. It looks like we're being palsy wowsy with them because that's what we want there to, them to think. So that's, and I, I thought, oh geez, I never thought of that before. So it all seems a little topsy-turvy, but, but I think in the end, what concerns me is there are clearly conservative MPs who are supportive of the, these are elected politicians who are supportive of this illegal occupation. You have an elected politician right here who's supportive of it. You have this sense that maybe there's some law enforcement officials at least individually, who are supportive of it. I'm seeing it on Twitter. I'm seeing journalists, or people who purport to be journalists, who are supportive of it. It's a scary time, and it kind of makes your head spin around a little bit. You're like, wait a minute, where are we here? Like, what is the rule of law? And, and how did we get to a point where elected politicians are supporting anti-government uprisings? But here we are. Where does, and, and I guess the question for me that I can't answer, but it keeps going through my head, is where do we go now? Like, what's the next thing going to be that that prompts this now organized group of vocal this now organized vocal minority to lash out again like this i don't know they could very soon 
I think you you hit the nail on the head. It's it's alarming to see, like you said, politicians and police. And I that's the first I had heard of it that maybe they were doing a little bit of recon to get some intel yeah. as to what's happening. But from an outsider watching in, I, I hear things, and obviously I'm tied to the media. I host this podcast and we hear stop listening to mainstream media. It's it's bias. You're not getting the real story. I've seen so many people on social media. I was in Ottawa. It's peaceful. It's full of love. Everyone is super respectful. But then I know some people, I have friends who live in Ottawa who are residents in Centertown. And some of the stories that I have heard via phone and text message is alarming. And the harassment is real. And uh, sexual assault is real and a, a three-year-old was harassed by an occupier because she had a mask on walking yeah. home from daycare with her mom so i'm hearing all of these stories and then we hear things like defund the police and i think you're right my head is starting to kind of spin and i just don't know which way is out yes i agree it's it's and, and i think the pillars of the democracy are so strong here that this is not going to topple it it's just a little this is just a little tremor, but it is concerning. And I will say it, it's, it's reaffirmed to me, though, the role of the mainstream press. I think the coverage has been outstanding. And part of the issue with the protesters is they're craving an endorsement. And they crave it. And when a newspaper or a television reporter, God bless TV reporters, when they're not when they're telling you something you don't want to hear and it's the opposite of what you believe and your YouTube algorithm feeds you what you want to hear all the time and your social media feeds are set up to tell you what you already believe and reinforce all your own perspectives. It's jarring and you come after people and people are coming after us a lot. And I understand it. I, I don't take it personally and it doesn't bother me. And I think it reaffirms the role of the, that the news media should be playing, I guess. So it's not easy to have people attacking you, but it's also in a strange way, a compliment because it tells you that you're covering things the right way. And I know when the news media screws up and you do too, I'm sure you've been there. I have been, when you make a mistake, it's brutal and you deserve to get pilloried. But the coverage of these protests, there's been no mistakes in any of them. An accurate depiction that is unflattering and the people who are supporting it don't like that depiction. So naturally they're gonna blame the messenger and that's okay, I get that, but it's intense. I, I think the biggest thing for me is who is the media? I keep hearing the media, know, but we're, I know, I know. like you said, which, with lie, which lie in particular, like what is the lie? I don't <laughs> yeah. Everybody is always going to have their own bias and their own point of view. And like Jane Sims and I said last week, we're not going to solve the world's problems with this podcast, but it's been really great getting to unpack this a little bit with you today, Pat. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for everything that you have been doing, all of the coverage. Uh, we're just gonna stay tuned and see what unfolds in Ottawa. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget, you can always subscribe if you haven't done so. We're streaming on all of the major platforms, new episodes every Thursday morning at seven. We will be back again next week with another edition of the LF Press Podcast. Until then, stay well.